This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Happy Sabbath, church family. It's good to see each one of you out here this Sabbath morning on this Pathfinder Sabbath. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be here. It feels like home. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to preface my sermon before I begin that if I lose my voice in the middle of this message, I blame the praise team because they made me sing while they, while they were praising. I, I, was, I, was, I needed to praise God as they were singing those songs. It was just such a wonderful thing. So I don't know. I, I, if I lose my voice in the middle of it, you know why. Bishop, it's good to see you. All right, praise God. Yes, indeed. I see a number of wonderful faces out here. Um, for those of you who don't know who I am, um, I'm, I am the former youth and young adult pastor here, Pastor McCoy. Um, came in and, and, and took it beyond whatever I could have done, you know, so, and now, now I hear he's going now to another church, so this is last Sabbath, um, praising God for how he is moving and using his people. Um, I want to also thank Pastor Rose for extending an invitation to share word on this Sabbath, and um, also want to uh, highlight your longest tenured pastor here, Pastor Jennifer uh, who is also ministering, praise God, for their ministry and what they're doing here at the Plantation Seventh Adventist Church. Um, I, I serve at the conference uh, now. I still am here in the South. So I want to bring to you a few things. Before we get into the Word, I want to give you like a few things of what, uh, what we do in the youth and young adult ministry. We're a team of three. I am one, the Associate Youth Director. Uh, Pastor Juan Rodriguez is our youth director for the conference. We cover the entire state. We have an administrative assistant, Asia Best. And um, basically, we work with youth and young adults, partnering with local churches to help disciple young people, young adults, into a lifelong relationship with Jesus. Now, uh, today is Pathfinder Day, and Pathfinders does a wonderful job. Matter of fact, it is one of the most effective ministries in the Seventh-day Adventist Church for retaining and encouraging young people to stay in the church. So if you don't have your young person in Adventures or Pathfinders, I would encourage you to do so because it does a wonderful job at encouraging and bringing excitement to young people regarding their church. We come in after basically Pathfinders. So, so we come in when they're too old for Pathfinders and too young for adult Sabbath school. Our, our age group that we target is between the age of 16 and 30. Uh, and so our focus is to kind of work with those. There's a lot of transitions in that time period, though. Young people are going off to college. They're, some of them are getting married. Some of them are, some of them are moving out of their house. I know that's not happening as much, but um, yeah. <clears throat> some of them, right? Yeah, so, um, so we work with the churches who work with that age group. So some of the things that we're doing... Uh, and as you know, you know, evangelism, sharing the word of God, sharing words of hope. We used to hand out pamphlets or uh, little cards. We used to put them under people's uh, windshield wipers, leave them at their doors, send out mailers. All those things have kind of gone by the wayside for the most part. A lot of people are not doing those things. There are some who are still doing it and praise God for their ministry. Um, but for those who recognize that the new biggest mission field uh, is on the internet. We have something uh, that is called the Digital Missionaries. And this initiative is basically encouraging young people and the young at heart who are on social media to use their social media for the cause of Christ. Instead of just sharing what you ate for lunch or whatever, that's nice. Or, you know, your review of, you know, this, that, that new outfit that you got that's good too, your latest haul or whatever. Yeah, that, that's fine. But you can also include every once in a while a message about the Jesus that you love. 
And that is being a digital missionary. If you want to have a resource, a treasure trove of resources and content, Adventist Teams is the place you want to be. So this QR code up there would get you to the sign-up list that gets you on Adventist Teams. So you can get that. If you don't get it while I'm here, you can be able to go back to the YouTube channel and see it and click the QR code there. We also have another initiative. I don't know what happened again. There it is. Oh, no, I skipped it. Okay. Go back one. All right, yes. So 2019, before COVID, we had a thriving sports ministry, not just basketball. We had other things that were happening. And that sports ministry included a basketball league that was run here in Central Florida and also in South Florida. We are starting that league again here in October. Uh, we'll be sending out emails and also snail mail to the churches um, so that you can be able to sign up and register your basketball team if you're interested. That'll be coming up here in October. Uh, I, um, and I also have a, um, okay, so this, this slide was just kind of encouraging the understanding that there are three of us in the department. We cover the entire state. There are three, over 350 churches across the state, across the, in the Florida conference. There is no way that we can be able to reach every single one of those churches. So we rely heavily on partnership. So we try to partner with local churches for events for youth and young adults. If you have an event that you're thinking about for youth and young adults and you think this would be a benefit to more than just the young people that are in your local church, call us. The QR codes on the side there are digital business cards. You can be able to get our phone number and our uh, email be able to ask and contact us regarding the ideas that you have that you want to be able to connect with us regarding. Now, how many college students do we have here? College students, you're in college right now? No, no college students are here today. Oh my goodness, really? Wow, all right, for those of you online who are watching, um, and those of you who are too shy to put your hand up, um, if you, we, we did have, how many of you knew that we had a free college retreat at Camp Colaco in July? No? So this is why you need to be on our texting group. Because we have a texting group that covers all of what we're doing in the youth and young adult ministry. We had over 400 young people who were there at Camp Colaco. had a wonderful time with them. Um, and it was free. All they had to do was get themselves there to Camp Colaco. So obviously when we put out the registration, it was closed within a few days, basically. So uh, we are planning on doing it again next year, um, but you would need to be on the texting group to know. So if you want to be in the know, get in the texting group. The texting group is simple. You text the word youth to the short code 77411, and that will get you in the know of everything that we are doing as a youth and young adult ministry. If you go through that, it will ask you a number of questions. At the end of those questions, it asks you for your zip code. That zip code is helpful because we don't want to spam you with information that's happening up in Tallahassee and your way down here in South Florida. So if we know your zip code, we can send you information that is pertinent to you in your area. So just follow through the prompts and the questions that are asked as you sign up for the texting group. We're also on social media. We're most active on Instagram, but we've got a presence on Twitter, and we're there also on Facebook. All right, that's the commercial break. We're going to get into the meat of it now. So um, as we're beginning our message today, we are here. Today is Pathfinder Sabbath, um, and as Elder Mo already shared, this is um, a week before the World Church celebrates World Pathfinder Day, but we are still focused on the theme uh, that is going to be celebrated next week, next, next week, and that is world, I mean, uh, change the world, change the world. We're gonna be focusing on that, but I, as we're beginning with that, I wanna start with a story. It's a story of a young man who was um, standing in a supermarket. This young man holds in, in each hand a box of name brand cereal, his favorite name brand cereal in one hand, and in the other hand, he had the off-brand cereal. You know, the same one, you know, but, but it was, you know, the, the, the off-brand, you know? Everybody tells you it tastes the same, but, but we know better, you know? Um, 
So, so he's standing there and he is kind of making a decision. He's contemplating for a while in the aisle, holding both of these cereals, deciding which one is he going to purchase. And here's his thinking. He's like, if I buy my favorite cereal, I'm gonna enjoy it. I know I'm gonna enjoy it, I've enjoyed it for years. I know I will enjoy it, but if I buy the off-brand cereal, I'll save money and I can save that money over the year and the accumulated savings I could save a life. So the question is, save a life or enjoy breakfast? Uh, this young man had a name. His name is still, and he's still alive, he's not had. Okay, so this young man has a name. His name is William McCaskill. And I get the story actually from a uh, feature article that was in Time Magazine, not last week, but the week before. The article was talking about a movement that he and his friends have started and they call it effective altruism. Effective altruism, where, where they're actually aiming to use evidence and reason to find the best ways of helping others and put those findings into practice. So their intent is, I need to live my life in such a way that I don't just benefit and bless myself, but I benefit and bless millions of people around the world and also millions of people in the future. We're talking about changing the world. So I found it very interesting that they had to ask themselves a number of questions, even the selection of what cereal they were going to buy because in the savings of what they have each and every time they buy cereal, they could use the savings to save a life. So it kind of piqued my interest and I began to ask myself the question, well, as Christians, Seventh-day Adventists, what questions should we ask ourselves that will lead us to become? world changers. I found in the word of God the story of Moses at a pivotal moment in his life where he asked God a number of questions that led him down the path toward changing the world. And so I invite you to study with me for the next few moments under the topic that I have entitled Pivot Towards Change. Pivot Towards Change. Would you bow your heads with me? as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, speak to us today through your word. Holy Spirit, open our hearts that we might be receptive. Jesus Christ, impress us, dear Lord, to be able to apply what we learn today is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at this story, we pick up the story of Moses. Moses has uh, moved out of Egypt, not moved, he was forced out because he had killed somebody. Um, as he moves out of Egypt, he settles in an area called Midian. And in that area, he gets married. He gets, uh, he, they end up having, his, him, him and his wife end up having two kids. He's got a job. You know, he's, he's living the normal life now. But that's not what Moses had as his trajectory for his life. If you go back to his origin story where he started out, Moses was saved by a basket and picked up by Pharaoh's daughter because the Pharaoh realized that a savior was going to be born and he was going to save the Israelites from their bondage. And so the, 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 the Pharaoh at the time, desiring to keep the Israelite people in slavery, made a decree that all the army would go out and kill all of the male children in Israel. Moses was saved from that and God had already identified him as the Savior, much like the Savior, Jesus Christ. So Moses had a calling, a purpose on his life from the very outset. His calling was not just to be a normal dude going to his nine to five. But that's what he was doing. And when God was ready to call him out of that, he chose a very odd way to do it. God chose to use a bush, a bush that was burning, but was not consumed by the fire. Now, God doesn't do anything without any reason. He didn't just choose to use a bush 
and delighted a fire just because he was feeling, you know, like, like he wanted to use some pyrotechnics that day. No, he did it because he knew the person he was trying to reach. And this draws us to our first question when we are seeking to be world changers. And that question is, what is your passion? And how we understand what is our passion is by what is it that we see. For Moses, when he saw the burning bush, the Bible is very clear when it says in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 3 that when Moses saw it, he got excited. The Bible says, and these are not simple words, the Bible says that Moses said, I must turn aside. Notice the word must. I must turn aside now. Notice the immediacy of his words. And see this marvelous sight. Why the bush is not burned up. Scholars who identify the reasoning behind why Moses was so drawn, so compelled, so interested in the bush, identify that Moses, as he saw the bush, he saw his people Israel. And as he saw the bush, it sparked the passion that he had originally about the deliverance of his people. When he saw the bush, he did not see a lofty tree or a stately palm. He saw just a simple lowly bush, which, which reminded him of his people, a small nation engulfed by a larger nation. When he saw the bush on fire, it reminded him of his own people who were under the heavy subjugation of Egyptian slavery. And as he was looking at that bush and he saw it burning, it also reminded him of the sustaining hand of God that kept his people in the midst of horrible difficulties to last. The bush that burned but was not consumed by the fire. God chose an image that drew his servant toward it. And the question for each and every one of us today is, what is it that God is showing you that is piquing your interest, that is igniting your passion, that gets your blood boiling? What is it that gets you excited? Because you might, in that one thing, find the passion that God is calling you to. As a matter of fact, one story um, is identified of a young girl by the name of Audrey Lawson who, who recognized that the Lord had put in her heart a passion for fixing problems that she saw. As a matter of fact, she identified that when she, she was driving uh, with her parents somewhere and as they were on the highway, she was concerned. She had a passion for um, environmental issues. And she wanted to do something about it. So, so she decided that she was going to um, uh, do something about all the carbon emissions that were coming out of cars. And so before she even entered into high school, she had a patent already under her name where she made a canopy that went over the road of plants that would capture the carbon emissions of cars. And that all people had to do was kind of build this natural plant canopy to be able to capture the emissions from vehicles and by so doing, save the ozone. A couple of years later, she saw the horrible tragedy that happened right here in Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, the shooting in Parkland that happened here. And she went back to work trying to fix the problem that happened in, that, in, that, that, in the school here. And she decided she would create again. And as she created again, she created what, is, what she identified a movable, bulletproof barrier system. So by the time she had gone to college, she already had two patents. Because she had recognized her passion. I would suggest to you there's only three types of people that are in the world. The first type are the consumers. They're the ones who consume. They use the products that are made. They, they are the ones who use the, the, the Netflix and, the, uh, and, 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 and eat the products that are made in the stores or whatever. We are the buyers, the individuals who, who go to the store and purchase things. They are the consumers. The second type of person uh, is, is, is the contributor. 
This is the person who, who steps a little farther from, from just being a consumer, but they actually help out in the creation of something. They are not the creators, but they actually help out in the creation of something. And then you have the creators. The individuals who look at a vacancy in the world and fill it with something. The people who are not content with the world as it is. They, they look at the world and recognize it's missing something and they feel in their heart that they must fill it with some creation that they have in their mind. The question is, what are you? For the most part in America, we are chock full of consumers. We got a handful of contributors, but very, very few creators. In the church, it's worse. In the church, it's worse. Everybody is content to consume the content of worship. We are willing to contribute every once in a while, but nobody is interested in creating. And God needs creators in his church. So Moses is identifying his passion in this moment. As he identifies his passion and drawn to the bush, he's there. I mean, we know the story. He's told by God to take off his sandals from off his feet because the place where he stands is holy ground. And there begins a conversation. Many a times we try and act like, you know, God, uh, Moses just kind of walked in there. God gave him his orders and then he just moved on, right? And said, okay, I'm going to Egypt. I'm out on the first camel train out to Egypt to, you know, deliver them from, from, from bondage. No, that's, that's not how it went. As a matter of fact, we pick up the story here in Exodus chapter three. It's not until Exodus five that he actually starts the journey. Between here and there are a number of questions that Moses asks God to try and get out of the calling that God has asked him to go into. The first question that Moses asks in this moment are two identity questions. Who am I and who are you? We find the first question there in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11 where Moses asks God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. Who am I? Many of us, particularly in the world that we're in today, where we are throwing away old understandings of identity, we are the least capable of identifying who we are. Today, we are the least equipped to really identify for our kids and for ourselves this question because we have ignored the second question which is inexorably connected to who am I and that's the next question that Moses asked in in verse 13 after God tells him who he is right Moses asked the question well then who who are you it doesn't say it that way, but the verse says, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. You can hear the sarcasm in his voice. Um, and, and then they're going to ask me a question, right? Now, they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Simple way of putting it is, he's asking God, Who are you? And this, I believe, is the most important question for any of us to answer if we are to be world changers, we have to identify who is God? What does he mean in our lives? Because out of that flows all of the other issues. If God is just a genie that you kind of go to when you need something, then that's going to affect the way that you connect with him or don't. And that's also gonna affect how you look at yourself. If God is just that person that your parents always talked about, then it's going to affect who you are and how you look at God. But if you believe the word of God and you look at the picture that is written by the inspired author in John 3:16 where he says, "For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life." That's going to affect how you think of yourself and you think of God. 
And from that, you can be able to do far more. So the question comes to us as it did to Moses, we must all answer, who is God? And out of that, who are you? Identity. As a matter of fact, it was interesting that, um, you know, we, we, we're here on Pathfinder Day and I, I know that they have this week where, where they have this thing called show your colors. Um, and show your colors, you wear your sash uh, all week long, right? Um, and you, you wear it to school, you wear it to wherever you are during the week time. I wonder how many of us are actually interested in doing that. Some of us are too embarrassed because we're not really ready to show our colors at school. We don't want anybody to ask us who we really are. We are really trying to just kind of fit in. And that's who we really are. You know, at the end of the day, that's really who we are. It's nice when everybody else is wearing their uniform here at church once every quarter or once every year, but it's a different thing if I have to wear it around people who actually know me outside of church. And we begin to answer the question for ourselves, who I am, am I a Christian? Am I a Seventh-day Adventist? Or, or am I just kind of going through the motions? We need to answer those questions for ourselves. So the first question was about passion. The second question was about identity. The, second, the, the, the two questions were about identity. The third question, as we look here, is about values. Moses, after he asks these two identity questions to God, he now goes into a value type question. And in Genesis chapter four and verse one, the Bible identifies Moses asks another question to God. And he says, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say the Lord has not appeared to you. Have you been there before? where you're more afraid about what others may say than about being obedient to God's will. For Moses, he came to this moment and he recognized, hey, uh, um, I know you called me, I know you, you have this thing, I know you say you're this, but what if they don't believe me? What if they don't like me? And this begins to ask the question of values. We have to answer the question for ourselves. Are we more interested in our popularity? Is that what we value most? Maybe it's power and position. Maybe that's what we value the most. Maybe it's security, being safe, right? Maybe that's what we value the most. Or maybe, maybe for a very few of us, or maybe it's a lot. It's about being obedient to God's will. I would suggest to you that the problem does not lie in just turning on a switch and saying, I'm just going to be obedient to God's will. But it's deeper than that. Um, Merlin Neff, in an article that he wrote called The Peril of a Vacuum, uh, says these words about particularly the Seventh-day Adventist church. He said, the Seventh-day Adventist church cannot bring a reformation to the world until it has itself experienced new life. Uh, basically, you can't take somebody where you have not been. And if you are calling, if you're compelling somebody to follow you, I've got something better, then you better have something better. But if you haven't experienced anything better, why draw, draw them to something that you yourself are not really happy about? He continues on, our work for God must begin in the local church. And he doesn't stop there. Our work for God must begin in every home, but he doesn't stop there. Our work for God must begin in every heart. That's where it begins. The new life experience begins in me first. I've got to experience it. Then I can share it with my home and, and then I can share it with my church and then our church as a whole can be able to share it to the community in which we're in. 
I see Nick. Nick, 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 Nick. She's right here. She's right here. She? I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> he was looking for his wife. I had to help him out. Um, he continues on in his quote. We must be ready to cast out everything that interferes with spiritual power. I know we're in an involved society. I know that we are in a, 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 a nation that, you know, believes in science, you know, follow the facts. But there is still an enemy of souls out there. The devil is still seeking to take out as many people as he can. And whether you believe it or not, he wants to take you and your family out. We have to be serious. We have to be prayed up. He also identifies that there can be no vacuum. This is the premise of his entire article. There must be no vacuum as a result of our social activities, our entertainments, our love of the world, right? This is the challenge that we do a lot as Christians. Where we, where we see something, for example, you might be watching a program and, and you're, 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 you, start, you get the third episode. It hasn't happened to you. You get to the third episode and something weird happens and you're like, oh, I don't like it. And so you just like cancel that show. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to watch that anymore. Uh, some of us are a little more, you know, dramatic. We're not content with just not watching the show. I need to cancel the entire service. I need a refund on my money if possible. And when your friends ask you about it, you say, I am not even using that service anymore, right? That's not compelling. And you should not use it either. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm sorry, not you. I was just pointing in general. All right. You should not use it either. That's not a compelling thing, right? That's trying to lead people into the vacuum. You need to find something even better so that when your friends ask you, hey, what are you doing in place of X? You can say, you know what? I used to be like you too. And I found something far more blessed in my life. I used to do that. But now I found something that has blessed my life much more. We can't lead people into the vacuum because that's not new life. Expecting people to come and, and just be a part of something that is not compelling. Why? In the words of the uh, old, old movie, I can do bad all by myself. I'm already doing poorly. Why would, I, why would I join your church and lose out on Saturday also? If it ain't compelling, why? What am, what am I getting? It, what we're doing needs to be something that has value, brings value, brings solutions to somebody. There must be no intoxication with wealth, self-glory, or power. He finishes the quote I have here, and he says, we can never change the world by becoming like it. And that's true. If we are going to be world changers... That means by the very statement that we are changing it from what it is right now. And it needs to be something compelling if you're going to draw people from what they're already doing, what they're familiar with. It has to be something worth the change for somebody to transition. So the question, the third question that we ask ourselves, yes, the first was passion, the second was identity, the third is values. The fourth are obstacles. And the question that is connected to that is, am I enough? Moses, in this moment, Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10, he says, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in times past, nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Like, really, Moses? Like, I mean, like, Moses. This is Moses we're talking about. This is the guy who wrote the first five books of the Bible. Not eloquent of speech? 
Moses, this guy who stood at the, 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 the Red Sea and parted it? Moses? I mean, this, this guy who led an entire nation. You were slow of speech? And this also kind of brings out that every obstacle that we see, every objection that we can raise is actually just an opportunity for God's glory. For Moses, he thought that he couldn't speak, but God could use even him. And for us, whatever objection, whatever, whatever obstacle we think is in our way is just an excuse for us to stay the same way that we are. As a matter of fact, it was Bernard Bang, uh, Bangley, he says in this article here, growing in the image of God, and, and I know that for many of you, the first obstacle for you as I'm even preaching this message is that, well, I can't change the world. There's no way that I can be able to change the entire world. Like the world, I can't, I can't change the world. So I'm just going to kind of ignore, I'm going to sit through this message and get through it and get something to eat later. But there is a way that we can change the world. In his book, Growing in His Image, uh, Bernard Bangley, he identifies these words. He says, it is not possible for one person to change the whole world into a fair and equitable place to live. And God does not call us to do that. There is nowhere in scripture, you won't find a scripture, go thou and change the world. Now there's no, there's no passage like that in scripture. As a matter of fact, as you read the, entire word, the entirety of the word of God, it identifies that, that when you look at the word of God, it says that things are gonna get worse before Christ comes to make them better. But that does not mean that we just sit by and say, well, you know, oh, it's all going to hell in the handbasket, whatever. No, that's not, that's not our attitude. That's not our, our way. How do we respond? He identifies. However, he would like us to make a dent in the world's evil and pain in our own little corner. When I was growing up, we had this saying, brighten the corner where you are. I think it was actually a song, right? Yeah, I think it was a song. Um, and the idea is that you have an opportunity to better your own little corner. Yeah? You, you who have families, you can brighten your home. Those of you who have siblings, you could be a little less annoying. I mean, um, you could, you could, um... <laughs> Those of you who are, who have employees, you can make their life a little easier. Those of you who have bosses, you can make their life a little easier. You can brighten the corner where you are. And by so doing, change that person's world. He continues on and he says, okay. This takes place when we feel a personal responsibility for our fellow humans and, <clears throat> and become willing to offer assistance without expecting any reward. Remember, we talked about William at the beginning. He was standing in the supermarket with the two cereal boxes, and he created this movement called effective altruism. Altruism, that, that SAT word, um, means assisting without expecting any rewards. Can we do that? Yeah, I can do that. I can be helpful just to be helpful. I, I, my, my car, it broke down just recently. Um, I needed a battery. I was um, at my favorite restaurant, um, Taco Bell. <laughs> and when I came out of it, um, I went to go and start the car. It wouldn't start. I asked the gentleman who was next to me, he had a very large truck. I was like, oh yeah, he could definitely jump start my car with ease. But he was not willing. He said, no, can't help you. And he went on. This elderly gentleman came out. Oh, bless your heart, this new gentleman. Oh, look at that. You see, oh, oh, that's my wife. That's my wife right there. That's my, that's my wife right there, yeah. Okay. Now I got my place back. What was that? Oh, Taco Bell. Um, <laughs> 
So the elderly gentleman, he comes out. He, uh, he, was in, he was right behind me in the line at Taco Bell. He comes out, and I see him. I'm like, I mean, his car, he's getting into a, a more seasoned vehicle. Let's, let's see it. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wary to ask him, like, you know, can you, can you give me a jump start, please? And I did. I, I, I built the courage to ask him. And I, he, he, he said yes. Pulled his car over, opened up. His, his, his terminals had, like, a mountain of corrosion on them, though. I was like, man, I'm not certain if this is going to work. But he connected it, and I connected mine. And I went in, I started my car, and it started right up. Man, I was praising God out there, man. I'm telling you, I had a little praise worship right there. I was like, man, my Jesus, yes, look at you. I drove home. I enjoyed my Taco Bell, by the way. Um, but I was praising God for the kindness that that gentleman offered me. He got me home. Because you know Taco Bell is not fun when it's cold. It's not, it's not enjoyable. So he got me home and the Taco Bell was still warm. Praise God. I mean, I was just... He brightened my world. Even just that simple thing. He brightened my world with just that one little act of kindness. Our final question. The first was, uh, was um, passion. The second was identity. The third was values. The fourth was ob um, obstacles. And our last one is trajectory. Because after all of this, after two chapters of God and Moses having a conversation, Moses is still not convinced. The last word that God has to Moses is found there in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 13. These are the words. Moses says to God, please Lord now, Send the message by whomever you will. Moses was not willing. He was like, send somebody else, Lord. I don't want to do it. I'm giving you every excuse that I can. I don't want to do it. He treated me, I mean, God, he, Moses treated God like those people who are in the mall who walk up to you and they're trying to offer you the, 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 um, the perfume. You're like, no, I'm good. Oh, but let me show you. No, I'm good. Yeah, oh, no, but I can, you know, I have some lotion. No, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. And you keep walking and you find them like two, two, two stores later and they're still following you trying to, no. <laughs> Moses was treating God like that person. Give it to somebody else. And unfortunately, in life, we are doing that to God even today. If we are opening our eyes, if we are attentive to the Holy Spirit's leading, we would recognize that God is trying to help us to change the lives of somebody. But we are giving him the message and I'll send somebody else. I see that individual every day coming to school. I see them. They've got bruises, they're always wearing long sleeves, but that's not my problem. Send a, send a school counselor. I see that that person is being treated badly at my workplace, but, but I, 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 that's, not my, that's not my thing. Send somebody else. I see the person next to me in class is struggling and I know I'm doing pretty well, but if I help them, I might drop in my grades. So send somebody else. Question that we all must answer at some point is, am I willing? Am I willing to take up the cause? Or am I going to worry myself out of making the change that I could change, that I could do. As we're coming to a close, I want to share with you a story about a, a young man by the name of Frank. Frank Whaley um, lived in Minnesota and he was nicknamed by his family a champion warrior. I didn't say warrior, I said champion warrior. Frank worried about everything. Uh, he would worry about, uh, you know, his job. He would worry about, he had a girlfriend, but he was worried that she would still be his girlfriend. 
right? He was worried about his, his, his money. He was worried about his savings. He was worried about his hairline until his hairline started to recede and then that light started to even make him even more worried. He was worried about, um, uh, he, was, he was also worried about, um, oh goodness, I forget what it was. I'm sorry. Uh, he was just worried. He was worried and his family got to the point where they were concerned that Frank was going to worry himself into an early grave. So his family pitched together, put together some funds, and Frank was going to be sent off to a wonderful vacation on his own here in Florida. And they said, Frank, you have an opportunity to be able to spend this time to turn over a new leaf in your life, come back a different person. Frank went. His dad um, took a, a, a letter, put it into an envelope, sealed it, and told him, don't open it until you get to Florida. So Frank's on his way. He's there. He, he, they, rented, they got him in a villa. Oh, beautiful place. Oh, my goodness. He's, he gets there, and Frank gets busy at doing what he does best. He starts worrying. He's sitting in the room by himself and immediately he starts worrying about his girlfriend. He was always worried that she would leave him, but now she has the chance. <laughs> While he is away, she can be able to go and by the time he gets back, she's going to have somebody else. So he's not worrying about his girlfriend or in his mind, ex-girlfriend. Anyway. To try and encourage himself, he opens his dad's letter I've taken the liberty of writing down some of his dad's letter here. He starts reading his dad's letter and he said, his dad writes and he says, you don't feel any different, do you? That's because you took with you the one thing that is the cause of all your trouble, yourself. <laughs> he continues on and he says, it is not the situations you've met that have thrown you it is what you think of those situations. And he quotes the text. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. When you realize that, son, come home, for you will be cured. Now some of y'all see the point, right? Some good advice, right? Frank was not convinced. He threw down the letter, he went outside, he was huffing and puffing, he was angry. He was walking down the street. He came across a church. Praise God for churches that still are open on Wednesday evening. He goes in and he sees the church having worship. Matter of fact, he comes in. It's a little late. And the pastor is already preaching. But he's preaching on the text of Proverbs 16 and verse 32. He's in the latter half of the verse. So he's already preaching on the first part. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. But the second part, he recognizes the same message his dad had written in the letter. And he who rules his spirit is better than he who captures a city. It finally clicked. He finally got it. He realized that if anything is going to change, it's got to change in him first. So he did turn over a new leaf. At the end of his vacation, he flew back to Minnesota. He married that girlfriend. He stopped concern, being concerned about his job and just started doing the work. He ended up getting promoted over time and, and now he is supervisor over 450 people. He lost his hair. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 he, he, he still lost his hair, but, but he owned it. He said, you know what? I, my, 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 head, my head don't look that bad, bald. He just cut it all off. And he's already married anyway. <laughs> yeah. 
But Frank was able to change his life and the lives of so many other people because he started with himself. For every single one of us, we have some pivotal decisions to make. If you didn't notice, all of the five questions are the acronym of PIVOT. P stands for passion. The I stands for identity. The V stands for values. And the O is obstacles. And the T is your trajectory. And so I ask you today, who is willing, yes, starting with yourself and eventually working out to change the world that's around you? Are you willing to answer the call to be a world changer today? If you are, I'm going to invite you to stand. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these army, this army of individuals who are answering your call to change the world. Starting, dear Lord, with their own heart, their home, the churches that they're in and the society in which we live. Help them to hear your Holy Spirit and what he has to say, dear Lord, about where they can start. Guide us, dear Lord, for we're in a world that truly needs change. Not just change toward vacuums, but change, dear Lord, toward new life. Bless us, dear Lord, as we seek to do those things today. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.